We've been doing a series called I Will. You know, Jesus said I will several times. I will is the strongest assertion in the English language. Think about Jesus. He said, he that comes to me, I will in no wise cast him out. That's good news. When the leper came to him and wondered whether or not it was his will for him to be healed, he knew he was able, but didn't quite know whether he was willing or not. Jesus stretched forth his hand and said, I will be thou clean. Amen. And then, of course, he said over in Matthew chapter 28, if we will come to him, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And he said, I will give you rest. That's another I will of Christ. And then he said, I will send the promise of the Father and I will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Oh, thank God for the I wills of Christ. And then he said, I will come again. He's coming soon. Amen. And so we're in this series on I will. And this morning I want to talk to you about I will walk in love. Say that with me. I will. Walk in love. In John 13, verse 34 and verse 35, Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. This is an order. This is not a suggestion. He expects this to be done by his sons and his daughters. In verse 35, he says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. So it's a testimony to the world. It's evidence to the world that we are born of God, that we are born of love when we walk in love toward one another. You know, it's not evidence to the world when we go to church or how we dress or what we drive. No, what is evidence to the world is the love of God. Well, somebody says, well, I don't exactly feel like it, Pastor Mark. Well, love is not based on feelings. Love is a choice. The question I have for you today is, can we love people like the Lord loves them? And yes, we can if we desire to and if we choose to. Because in fact, he has furnished us with the equipment. He's given us all that we need for us to fulfill the great commandment. Look with me at Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. It says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God, the love of the Father, is shed abroad. Another way you could say it, the love of God has been poured forth even unto overflowing in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which has been given to us. And so it's our choice And we must endeavor to let that love nature dominate us. It is, in fact, a fruit of the recreated human spirit. In Galatians 5.16, he says, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There is a battle between what you have and who you have in your heart and your flesh. And so what we need to learn to do is not allow our flesh to dominate us, but to live out of our heart and to live out of our spirit, because that's where the Holy Spirit is. That's where the love of God is. Can you say amen? Amen. 
You see, when we're walking in the Spirit, we will be walking in love. Down in verse 16, he lists the fruit of the Spirit, and the first one is love. Amen. I love what Brother Hagin says oftentimes when he talks about walking in the love of God. He says, I'm a lover and not a hater. You know, there's a whole lot of haters out there. Let's not be a hater. Let's not allow our flesh to dominate us. Certainly you see things you don't like. Certainly there's things going on that you may not agree with. But that doesn't give you a right to be a hater. We are called to love. And what love does, love gets on its knees and prays. Love lifts up their voice. Amen. Instead of spouting out a bunch of pollution and corrupt communication, you have the privilege of speaking divine communication. You have the privilege of speaking in a heavenly language. You have the privilege of speaking forth the Word of God. Now Jesus said some amazing things concerning keeping this love walk. So turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 15. And we'll notice some verses here, 8 through 12. Now, don't let this be too simple to you. This is a message, praise God, that can change your life if you will hear it and do it. Now, Jesus said in verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples or my disciplined ones. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. It's good to know that He loves us. When we have an understanding of how much He loves us, we can love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Loving yourself comes from a revelation of how much God loves you. And so He encourages us that He loves us. And then He said, now continue in my love. If you will keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide or live in His love. Say it with me real strong. I'm living in the love of God. Now notice in verse 11 and verse 12, in the context of what we're talking about, keeping the love command. He said, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And then he says, this is my commandment that you love one another even as I have loved you. Now listen to this statement. We know that in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. And God wants us to experience His presence this year in a greater way, in a greater manner than we ever have. But to accommodate and to position ourselves for fullness of joy and the presence of God, we must align ourselves with biblical principles, one of which is walking in the love of God. Now listen to this. Fullness of joy comes by keeping the love command. The more that you keep the love command, the happier you will be. The more that you walk in love, the more joy you will experience in your life. Now, on the other side of the coin, the more selfish we are, the more miserable we will be. You know, the word miserable comes from the word miser. You know, we should not be misers. We should not be 
chintzy or cheap with our finances. We should not be chintzy or cheap with what God has placed on the inside of us. What He's placed on the inside of us is not just for us. It's for those around us. So don't be a miser where the love of God is concerned. Let the love of God flow out of you copiously and freely and experience joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, glory to God. Now the selfish life is the, is the empty life. Me, myself, and I, living just for me, myself, and I, always leads to emptiness. The self-centered life is the miserable life. But oh, thank God, the giving life is the fulfilling life. Somebody says, well, I'm just unfulfilled, Pastor. It could be that you need to check up on your giving. And I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about what are you giving to the people around you? What kind of statement is your life making? I'm telling you, folks, the giving life is the fulfilling life. And the unselfish life is the satisfying life. Oh, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, live in love. Come on, somebody. Live to give. What if you were to bless people and love people and serve people? Well, then you'd just be full of joy. So I'm here today to encourage all of us to to practice and to exercise the fruit of love so that it can grow and it can increase. You know, we talk about increase. The Lord is mindful of us. We know that. And the Lord wants to increase you more and more. But don't just limit increase to paying your bills. Don't just limit increase to your finances. You can increase in knowledge. You can increase in strength. You can increase in joy. And you can increase and you can abound in the love of God. How many of you know it's true? You can increase in faith and you can increase in love. Paul knew this. He was speaking to the church of Thessalonica. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, he says, We are bound to God to, to thank God always for you, brothers, as it is meet, because your faith does what? It's the will of God for your faith to grow. Amen. Just use it so you don't lose it. <laughs> That your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity or the love of every one of you all toward each other abounds. You know, we're doing quite well in this church where the love of God is concerned amongst each other. But I think we could do better. I think in 2023, we could bump it up several notches. If we just would, if we choose, praise God, when we come into the house of God, we're going to let our light shine. We're going to love one another. We're going to serve the Lord in our generation. Oh, I just heard the organ right there. So if you want to grow in love, then practice love. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Amen. And don't get under condemnation. Because you haven't arrived. Because I tell you right now, I haven't either. 
And anybody who tells you that they've arrived, well, I don't want to say they're lying. But perhaps they're just deceived. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're growing in the love of God. And there will be challenges. There will be tests to your love walk. I know I've tested Brenda's love walk many a time. But I thank God I've got a beautiful wife who passes the test. Now you do not want to on purpose go out and test somebody's love walk. Amen? If you're a tester of other people's love walk, you need to to check up from the neck up. Amen? And make some adjustments in your own life. But practicing the love of God is so important. It's so vital so that you can abound so that you can grow more and more. When the love of God is preeminent in your life, it'll make you irresistible. It'll, it'll cause people to want to be around you. Why? Because you're so full of encouragement. You're so full of life. You're so full of love that it's so tangible that people will want to just hang out with you. Oh, say it with me. I'm going to practice love. I will walk in love. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at God's definition of love. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Of course, 1 Corinthians 13, the way it says it in the King James Version, is different than the Amplified Version. So we're going to look at verses 4 through 8 in the Amplified Version. Now, beginning in verse 4, it says this, that love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is long-suffering. Amen? Love is kind. Love is patient. Love is kind on the freeway. Love is patient when someone's in the fast lane going 20 miles an hour and the speed limit's 65. Love is patient. Love is kind at the grocery store. Love is kind to people. It's patient. It's long-suffering. Yeah, but you don't know how long I've been putting up with that person. And you don't know how long God's been putting up with you. We need to reciprocate this long-suffering and show forth the fruit of the Spirit toward others. Aren't you glad He's patient with you? Aren't you glad He's kind with you? Aren't you glad that His mercy endures forever? Oh, come on, lift up your hands and thank Him. Glory to God. He didn't give up on you. He will never give up on you. His hand is upon you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And say of me, He that's begun a good work in me, He will perform it. He will complete it until He returns. So if He's doing that in you, know this, that He's doing it in other people. And we should not get sour in our relationships. And we should not be critical what other people's lives are concerned. Or be judgmental. The only 
thing you have a right to judge is yourself. Other than a couple other things. If you will judge yourself, you'll not be judged. I didn't know all that was in there. Love endures long. It's patient and it's kind. Say with me, I endure long. I'm patient and kind. It goes on to say, love is never envious nor boils over with jealousy. Love doesn't get jealous when other people get blessed. Love gets happy. Love runs around people's automobiles in the parking lot when they get a new car. Love goes to people's homes when they do get a new refrigerator. You probably can't walk around it, but you can jump in front of it. I say all these things because we authentically need to rejoice with those who rejoice. Love is not jealous. It is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. The love of God on the inside of you does not need to try to impress other people. You do not have to impress other people with inflated stories about your past sports history. <laughs> I've been guilty of it. <laughs> we're, not to, we're not to try to impress people. Just be impressive. There's a big difference. When you're just being impressive, you're just letting God flow through you. Amen. So love is not boastful. It's not vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. Verse 5. And this is connected with it. It is not conceited or arrogant or inflated with pride. It is not rude or unmannerly or does not act unbecomingly. We do not want to be arrogant, ignorant or arrogant. We do not want to be inflated with pride. You know what God does where the proud are concerned? He stands afar off. The scripture says that God resists the proud. Right? But he gives grace to the humble. One way that you can nip pride in the bud is by continually thanking God for his mercy and thanking God for his grace and giving him all the glory and giving him all the praise, taking the spotlight off of yourself and putting it on to the master. Amen. Oh, lift your hands and give him praise today. Glory to God. Glory to God. To God be the glory. Amen. And so love is not rude. It's not unmanly. It does not act unbecomingly. Notice this next one. God's love in us does not insist on its own rights, for it is not self-seeking. It's not selfish. It's not demanding. You know, some people have this attitude. Hey, it's my way or the highway. Or, I'm the captain of this ship. Sometimes, wives, you need to rise up and say, sit down there, skipper, you're rocking the boat. <laughs> it is ungodly and evil for a husband to demand his wife to submit to him. It is unscriptural. 
we are in no way at any time as husbands to look at our wives and say, wife, you submit. That's what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible does not say anything about husbands demanding their wives to submit. The Bible says, wives, submit yourselves. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Now notice, as unto the Lord. So it's not something husbands initiate, it's something wives initiate. And I have discovered this, and if you've been around long enough... You will discover it in your own marriage as well. When you as a husband live your life for Jesus. When you as a husband are sold out to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Your wife will have no problem in whatever way, fashion or form submitting to you. Because you will never ask her to submit to anything that's unholy or ungodly or outside of your covenant. Oh, I know I'm preaching good. So as husbands, we are not to be demanding. And as husbands, we are not to be requiring this of our wives. It's something that the wife initiates. Now, on the other hand, wives, you are not to demand your husband to love you as Christ loves the church. You're not to demand that. The Bible doesn't say, wives... Nag your husbands to love you as Christ loves the church. And throw it in his face when he fails and when he misses it. No, husbands, you're to initiate that yourself. It says, husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ loves the church. Hallelujah. You want to talk about days of heaven upon the earth? Husbands, love your wife. Speak right words over her. Buy her some candy. Open her door. Never ever put her down. But lovingly lift her up the head of the church never puts his bride down and husbands we are to lift our wives and love our wives even if Jesus loves the church amen Whoo! glory to God hallelujah You know, folks that have the attitude, it's my way or the highway, a lot of women take the highway. And then these skippers are living by themselves and looking for another wife to abuse. Moving right along. Now notice with me in verse 5. This is all connected together. Say with me in 2023. 2023, I will will walk in love. love. Notice this. Verse 5. The rest of it. Love is not touchy. 
or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Brother Hagen wrote a wonderful book called Love, The Way to Victory. And he said in his book, one way that we can practice the God kind of love is by taking no thought for a suffered wrong. Love is not resentful. Love forgives. Freely I have received forgiveness. Have you received forgiveness? And so then freely we are to what? We are to give forgiveness. I believe this, that the greatest enemy to our faith is unforgiveness. Jesus made it really clear. In Mark eleven twenty three, he established the wonderful law of faith. He said, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. That is faith-filled speaking the word of God. And then in verse 24, he says, Therefore I say unto you, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, or believe that you take them, and you shall have them. But in the same context of Jesus giving us this glorious illustration of faith-filled words and faith-filled praying, in verse 25 and verse 26 says this, And when you stand praying, forgive. When you stand praying, your saying and your praying won't work when unforgiveness is in your life. So he says, when you stand praying, if you have aught against any, that your father forgive, if you have aught against any, that your father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Verse 26, read it with me. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. So notice this ought, ought, having ought. When people have oughts against some other person, oftentimes they hold a grudge against that person. And the scripture talks about being quick to forgive. The longer you and I wait to forgive, the harder it's going to be. The longer we hold on to resentment, the deeper that root of bitterness will get. Unforgiveness is the door through which the devil enters. Keith Moore said many years ago concerning strife, he said this, Where strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So in other words, if I hold a grudge against someone, it becomes a root of bitterness. But not only does it become a root of bitterness and hurt me, but it's an open door for the enemy to come in into several areas of my life. I'm just saying to you today, we need to make sure we shut the door and we slam it shut on strife and unforgiveness. Again, Dad Hagen said this, Anytime you're feeling mistreated, you know the devil's working on you. Smith Wigglesworth said this, I realize that God can never bless us on the lines of being hard-hearted, critical, or unforgiving. He said, this will hinder faith quicker than anything. I believe, Smith says, 
There are a great many people who would be healed, but they're harboring things in their heart. And then he says, let these things go. Say that with me. Let these things, let them go. And then Smith goes on to say, he says, there are many good people that mean well, but they have no power to do anything for God. Why? Because he says, there's just some little thing that came in their hearts years ago and their faith has been paralyzed ever since. Oh, folks, we need our faith. We need our faith. Holding on to past things will do you harm. It will not do you any good. Now, I want you to notice a verse in Galatians chapter 5. And I believe it's, oh, what is it? Verse 6. Let's feed on this just for a moment. Galatians, the fifth chapter, in the sixth verse. Read it with me. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but what? We can do a little bit better in that last phrase. Say it with me. But faith which worketh. One more time. Faith which worketh by love. We could say it this way. My faith is working by the love of God on the inside of me. Mark Hankins says this. And he's coming to church. You don't want to miss it. He says, if your faith is not working, your mountains are not moving. And so what we need to do then is make sure that we check our love walk. When we've been done wrong, God's given us the ability to forgive. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. And we'll track it right on through uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. You are the understood Uh, subject of this sentence. You are the one that must let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all what? With all malice. Now notice verse 32. Verse 32 of Ephesians 4. Or he says, and be ye kind to one another. Remember, love is kind. Be kind to one another, hard-hearted. Well, I'll tell you, bless God. Hard-hearted. No. No one wants to hang around with a hard-hearted person. He said, but be tender-hearted, doing what? Forgiving one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And then we look at Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2. It says this, and be followers. The word there, followers, is imitators. Be an imitator of God. God is love. Be an imitator of love as dear children. Now notice verse 2 and read it with me if you would please. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling Savior. That's plain, isn't it? Someone said this, walking in love is your greatest challenge, but it's also your greatest reward. So if you don't forgive people, understand this, they have control of your life. Holding on to our past can poison our future 
and limit or poison our present and limit our future. I believe this with all my heart. The way to get better and not better, better is stop rehearsing the past. Well, you don't know how they did me. You don't know what they said about me. Well, I've forgiven them all right, brother. But I'll never, ever forget what that old devil did to me. No, no, no. That's a lie. If you're rehearsing something that... How long ago did that happen? Ten years ago. If a person is rehearsing something that happened ten years ago, they need to get a clue. You see, the more that you talk about things, old hurts, old past things, the more we talk about those things, they'll never heal. Stop reliving the past. Never rehash it. Let it go. Close the door. Forgive for your sake. It is a choice. I remember a, a man of God by the name of Billy Graham. Wow. Did God use him? Or did God use him? How old was Billy when he passed away? Wasn't he about 99 or something? He was, whoo, glory to God. What a man of God. He lived a long, long time on the earth. How many of you want to live long? How many of you want to live strong? Well, he that would love life and see good days... Let him refrain his tongue from speaking evil. You know, one thing that I've noticed about men of God, and I'm talking about Kenneth E. Hagin. I'm talking about Kenneth Copeland. I'm talking about Keith Moore. I'm talking about men of God that God is really using, and he's been using them for decades. Not just a year or two, but been using them for decades. Just recently, Brother Copeland turned 86. And if you will look at him, he doesn't look 86. And the other thing, he doesn't act 86. Amen. He does what he knows to do physically to keep himself in shape. He does what he knows to do in the area of diet. But most of all, he does the love walk. He is a man of God. He is a man of love. And he's been practicing it his whole life. Would you say that the love of God that he's walked in has caused him not to fail? I consider him to be a success. And then Kenneth E. Hagin, our spiritual father. He was known for faith. He was known for the Holy Spirit. He was known for prayer. But one of the greatest things that we know him for is his love walk. He says, I'm not going to respond to critics. He says, I've been criticized by experts. He says, I refuse to respond to it. I'm just going to keep walking in love and walking in the spirit. He said, I wouldn't do anything or say anything if they said I killed my mother-in-law. He says, I'll just keep going down the road. How many of you want to live long? You want to live strong? This is a major key to you living long and you fulfilling your whole life. It's walking in the spirit and it's walking in the life of God.
Oh, be quick to forgive others. And in your own life, be quick to repent. Amen? Be quick to turn around and turn the other way. Oh, it'll pay rich dividends. Amen? In your walk with God. Praise God. You do not want anything to choke up what God wants to do in your life. Years ago, a man of God had a vision of a pipe. And that pipe was represented of the human spirit. And on the one end of the pipe, the power of God was just flowing richly and copiously into that pipe representing the human spirit. He said, the Lord showed him on the other end of the pipe, there was just a little spurt coming out. In other words, the power that was going in was not coming out the same way it was going in. And the Lord showed him that it was the little things, the little foxes that spoiled the vines. The little attitudes. The little impatient things. Those things hindered the flow of God's Spirit and hindered the flow of the anointing. Folks, we don't want anything to hinder the anointing. I'm going to say it again. We do not want anything to hinder the anointing. Why? Because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that teaches us. It's the anointing that heals us. It's the anointing that we must have and live and flow in every day. I don't want any nickel and dime thing to hinder the unction in my life. Amen. Somebody say, in 2023... I will. I will. I will walk in love. Billy Graham said this in one bold stroke, forgiveness obliterates the past and permits us to enter the, the land of new beginnings. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, what about all these enemies? What about all these folks out here that, that have, have stood up and become my enemies? You know what Jesus said about your enemies? In Matthew 5, here's what he said clearly. He said, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Here's what Jesus said. Love, bless, do good, and pray. Can we do that? Well, we can if we will. Say it, I will. Do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Back to 1 Corinthians 13. Notice with me in verse 6 through 8. The love of God does not rejoice in injustice and unrighteousness, but love in us rejoices when right and truth prevails. Love is ever ready to believe. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the worst of every person. No. God's love in us is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under uh, under all circumstances and endures everything without weakening. And say it with me real strong. The love of God, it never fails. In closing, I think, this will keep you these three things in the love of God. Remember, he said, love believes the what? Best. 
love believes the best of every person. Number one, love sees the best in people. Pray to see people through the Father's eyes. Hallelujah. And you can't see people through the Father's eyes if you're not in fellowship with the Father. There's no way. There's no way that you can see others the way He sees them until first you see yourself the way He sees you. And then live in vital communion with Him. And as you do, He will show you wonderful things about other people. Number two, loves, believes the best. I had a phrase years ago that I've used many times. Love believes the best and leaves the rest. And then number three, love speaks the best. If you're going to walk in love, you must watch your words. Dad Hagen says this, I will practice thinking and saying the best of every person so my love can grow and develop and I can be a blessing to many. So what this does, when we do this, it takes the sour out of us. It takes the judgment out of us. It takes the critical spirit out of us. How many of you know we need to keep our tongue? Well, I think I'll just preach that a minute. Just bear with me just a couple minutes. 11.27. The game doesn't start till 3.30, so cool your jets. Amen. Here's what Paul said. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 9.27. 1 Corinthians 9.27. They can pull that up. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says this, But I, that's the real man on the inside, Paul is saying, my spirit man, I keep under my body. In other words, I do not let my body dominate me. Right? And he says, And I bring it into subjection. Subjection to what? I bring my body in subjection to my spirit and the Holy Spirit who lives in me. In other words, my body doesn't control me. I control my body. I bring it. He doesn't call his body the real I. He calls his body an it. Your body is just your vessel. And he said, I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, while I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway or be disqualified. Now, very quickly... Most people, when they look at this verse, think of sexual sins. I keep under my body. In other words, I don't yield myself to fornication. I don't yield myself to pornography. I don't yield myself to idolatry. I keep my body under. In other words, I hold my body in check. Are you listening to me? That's a part of keeping your body in subjection, but that's not all of it. How many of you know your tongue is part of your body? We hear a lot about gun control. And we're not going to go into that today. You hear a lot about gun control just about every week. But we hear very little about tongue control. You don't hear about tongue control in the universities. You don't hear about tongue control in high school. But you hear about it in the school of the Holy Spirit. If you want your life to soar like an eagle, you've got to hold this little beast two inches under your nose 
in control. The tongue can no man tame. We're not talking about man taming our tongue. We're talking about yielding our tongue to Jesus and yielding our tongue to the Holy Spirit. And as we do, it will be kept under. It will be kept subject. And it will keep your soul from a lot of troubles. I got to thinking about this yesterday. The scripture says, Whoso keepeth his mouth, whoso keepeth his tongue, shall keep his soul from troubles. Have any of you ever experienced any trouble in your soul or emotionally because of what you said? Me and my big mouth. Well, the key is get your mouth hooked up with the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues and speak forth the Word of God and live your life in love. Amen? And your emotional problems will dissipate. That's why a lot of people aren't sleeping well at night. Is because before they go to bed, they're giving everybody a piece of their mind. A piece of their mind. And when your mind is connected to everything that's wrong, to everything that's going south, when your mind is connected to that, you will not have peace. The scripture says in Isaiah 26, 3, He will keep us in perfect peace when our mind is stayed on Him. If you will keep your mind stayed on Him, it will affect your speech. Glory to God. Somebody say, I keep it under my body. And I bring this tongue into subjection. Hallelujah! I said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, if you want to be a blessing, cover the love base. Dad Higgins says this, I will walk in God's love. I will not criticize others because God's love in me works no ill to his neighbor. Make love your quest. In 1 Corinthians 14, 1 in the Amplified, it says this. It says, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim. Make it your greatest quest. Say with me, I will. I will. I will walk in love. Whether anybody else does or not. I'm going to walk in love. And you know, this message that you've just heard is not a waste of time. And any time the Holy Spirit checks you to check your life, let me just say it this way. It's never a waste of time. And really it's a necessity to inspect our love walk. Every other year, annually. (laughs) But on a continual basis. Why, Pastor Mark? So that the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Did God raise Jesus from the dead? So that the power that raised Jesus from the dead can flow unhindered in your life. 
in your family, in your body, in your emotions, in your finances, in all of your loved ones. And how about this? In our nation. Hallelujah. How about this in the Bay Area? How about this in the state of California? Oh, let's stand up, everybody. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for the love of God. Thank you, Master, that you are here in this place today, that you've spoken to us, and that you have given us encouragement from the Scriptures. Oh, thank you, Lord. We purpose in our heart today, Lord, not just to let this word just bypass us, but Lord, let it dwell in us richly in all wisdom. We'll not just be hearers of your word, but we'll be doers thereof. Just a couple of things that will help you grow in love. Read Brother Hagin's book, Love the Way to Victory. Get on Keith Moore's website and just search the word for love. He's got series after series after series on the love of God. And different characteristics of the love of God and how we can apply it in our lives. Amen? Oh, let's raise our hand and thank you. Say to me, thank you, Lord. I receive the message today. I'm walking in love. And my joy will continuously be filled. I'm overflowing in the life of God and in the love of God. And if you're watching online today or if you're here in the auditorium and you've got ought against someone, what do you say we just annihilate that ought right now? What do you say we purge the pipe so that that power can flow freely through us and not be a little spurt here and a spurt there, but unhindered power, unhindered glory, unhindered life, unhindered joy, unhindered peace. Woo! Glory to God. Amen. This isn't a message to make you sad. This is a message that will make you glad. Hallelujah. So corporately, you watching and you in the house today, if there's something that you're holding on to, I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, let it go. Let it go. You're hindering yourself more than you realize. Oh, lift a hand to the Master and say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have instructed me in the word of the Lord to let go of past hurts to let go of strife and to let all bitterness go. Father, in Jesus' name, as an act of my will, I choose to align myself with your perfect will. Your perfect will is for me to forgive. So in Jesus' name, I forgive anyone in my past or in my presence I forgive them now as an act of my will I release that bitterness I release that strife I release that resentment Father I ask for forgiveness for holding on to those things and I receive my forgiveness And at the same time, I forgive others right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, there's the power of God right now. Lift up your voice. Lift up your hand. 
Let the Spirit of God minister to you. Let Him quicken your body. Let Him restore your soul. Let Him do some great things. Amen.